Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number three of our podcast. We're excited to be bringing this to you. And today we want to start off with a little bit of a story. So our son, he's six years old, and in particular, uh, out of all of our children, he really craves our attention. Mm-hmm. Now, all of our kids love our attention. They love spending time with us. But in particular for him, it's extremely important that we make sure we are engaging him on a more frequent basis. So a while ago, we implemented this 10-minute time where we are spending 10 minutes of intentional time with them. And it may sound short. It may sound like that's just a little bit of time. We're spending one-on-one time with each child so each child gets 20 minutes, 10 per parent. And it's really amazing to think about how, as parents, you can go throughout the day and never really sit down. Maybe you're reading to the child or maybe you're reading to all your children together, but really sitting down with each child. And the more children you have, obviously, that becomes more difficult and overlooked at times. But it's so important because throughout the day, I'm with my children all day and I am cleaning with them or we're going shopping or we're playing together as a family or doing homeschool stuff. But that one-on-one time is often overlooked. Being able to sit down and really having this time is so important. So it's really interesting to watch that once we really implemented this time to be able to see how once our 10 minutes were done, they wouldn't fight it or be angry about it or like, no, I just want to play for 10 more minutes because they knew it was coming the very next day. It was something that was just kind of stable and they were excited about the next day, but they were also able to stop and they had this boundary. And I think to that intentional time with just them getting to choose their activity, what they wanted to do was really meeting a need and satiating them. Where it's like they felt like, okay, yeah, I, I feel like I got what I need and now I can go about my day and do whatever else I have to. Now, again, we want to emphasize we're not only spending 10 minutes with our children, <laughs> but we are specifically spending 10 minutes of individualized attention per child that we have every single day trying to make sure that we are meeting their needs. This story brings us to what we want to talk about today, which is the love bank. Now, the love bank is a way, it's an analogy I'd like to use to help people conceptualize, are they meeting people's love and emotional needs on a regular basis? And when you're not meeting people's love and emotional needs, you're going to tend to run into problems just the same way as if you don't have enough money in your bank account. And so when you're interacting with your partner or your kids or your friends or just extended family or whatever, the more you interact with them in a positive way, the more deposits you're putting into your love bank account. And so let's say, you know, you have a fun conversation with your spouse. That's $5. Let's say, you know, you spend that 10 minutes of time with your kids. That's $5 into their bank account. And every time you do any of these positive activities, you're making these deposits. Now, the important part for these deposits is, one, the more money that you have in that account, the happier you tend to feel and the other person tends to feel. But also it's there for rainy days. When you run into a difficult experience, it's going to be a withdrawal from that bank account. Now, if you have $10,000 in that bank account and you have a little bit of a rainy day and it requires you to draw $20 out of that bank account, that is not a big deal. That is not a problem. But if you have $5 in your bank account and you have to draw $20 out of your bank account, it becomes a much larger problem for you all of a sudden. Now, Think about it when you have a bank account and you overdraw, right? Not only do you go into the negative what you drew over what you had in the account, but on top of that, you get an overdraft fee. So not only do you go into the negative, 
But because you don't have money, they take more money away from you. And so then what that's akin to in your relationship is when you overdraw because you don't have enough money in that bank account, it's a large, unnecessary fight that you then end up getting into with that other person. Right. So it's really important to continue to have small deposits throughout the day. In reality, if you go on a date night together, maybe that's $30 into your account and that's a bigger deposit, but that's not real life where that happens every single day. It's those small deposits that really begin to add up. On the other side, it's usually small withdrawals that are happening. You're not, hopefully you're not blowing up all the time and that you're taking up these huge deposits all the time, but these quick snaps at, at your kids, it's maybe you yelled at them real quick or you were short with your spouse. Those are all small withdrawals that get taken away. And that's more of the reality of life that your bank is these small deposits that are continually happening and hopefully small withdrawals or maybe a big withdrawal once in a while after a big fight or something, you know, on the bigger end that happens. So one of the things that we want to really look at is how can we fill these needs? And so one thing that we like to do, in particular for uh, your relationship with your spouse or your partner, a really important thing we, we like is called Loving Days, Caring Days. Now, this is a tool that you can use to kind of help keep track of how often and how frequently you should be engaging with your partner in a healthy way. And so what we like people to do is for their spouse, they write down different things, different actions that they can do for them that would make them feel loved. So I would write down a list of things that Ruth could do for me that would make me feel loved, and I would give it to her. Now, most of these things, we want them to be relatively like small things that you can do. You can have a couple of bigger items on the list, but those things are generally going to happen less frequently. And on this list, this loving days, caring days list, like a caring day would be an example of like maybe it's a Tuesday or Wednesday or something. It's in the middle of the work week. The caring days on a list of, let's say, 20 items I might put on there. What would be helpful in making deposits into my love bank is for Ruth to pick five of those items at her discretion that I have put on the list and she can do those. And then that would make me feel loved and cared for. And those would be deposits that she's putting into my bank account so that if something negative happens between us, I'm not getting overdrawn and then it's causing some type of conflict between us. A loving day is generally once a week. Uh, either like a Saturday or Sunday or non-working day, instead of just five items off of the list, you pick 10 items off of the list. And again, what you're really trying to do is make sure you're making these deposits. I'm trying to save up this rainy day fund. So if a problem comes along, I have now the capital to be able to deal with that. For example, some of the things that I would have on my list, I love when Tim just thinks about me throughout the day and texts me back. Because oftentimes in relationships, you'll look and one person on one side will like have these long texts and then there'll be no response or there'll be like thumbs up or hearts all the way, but no real response. And Tim has been doing so well filling my love bank by just sending me sweet texts throughout the day. And another thing I love is when he sends me little gifts where it's just something that makes me giggle or laugh or he, maybe he doesn't even find it funny, but he knows that, oh, I think Ruth will like this. And he sends it to me because for me, that makes me think that he's thinking about me. And that's just a small thing, right? That's a small thing you can check off of that list is to send a text, send a meme, send a gift. And when you're doing those things, right? And for Ruth, it's making her feel like I am I am thinking about her throughout the day, that I care about her. And so it's filling her love bank that way. And so these don't have to be big, grand things. Obviously, if you're picking a list out of 
uh, out of 20 things, you're picking five off of that list. If they're big, large things, it's going to be hard to get through them at the end of the day. But it's these little things that we're doing on a regular basis with our spouse. A way I like to think about this is like, how often do you have to eat? You have to eat three times a day to sustain your body, right? You should be doing a minimum of three kind things towards your spouse to sustain that relationship. We want to shoot for surplus, not just maintenance level. So that's why we would like you guys to do the five on a regular basis. And then once a week, try to shoot for 10. But again, they don't have to be big, massive things. You can have some larger items on that list that you give to your spouse, but it doesn't want to be so big and overwhelming that they're just not going to do it at all. We want to start off relatively small, easy things that we can do that makes our spouse feel loved. And this kind of goes into the idea of the five love languages. If you're familiar at all with Gary Chapman, he does the five love languages, and it's quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts, and acts of service. And we'll do that in a different podcast. We'll kind of go into each of those. But it really is figuring out how can I love my spouse in the way that they need it? Because so often we think this is how I want to be loved or I love gifts or I love physical touch. They must love it too. And it's not always the case. And so you really have to study your spouse and get to know them. And that's why these lists are so helpful because it's kind of a cheat sheet to be able to say, this is exactly what I need or these are ways that I feel loved. And one thing I would want to say about that, too, is that if your spouse isn't aware of it, you shouldn't tell yourself or tell them you should already know. Because if they don't know at this point, you may as well give them that cheat sheet so that then you don't have to suffer through them not loving you in a way that you're receiving it anymore. You can just start receiving love the way that you need it. Right. I see that a lot in clients where they say, well, I don't want to have to tell them what I need because then it won't. They're just doing it because I asked them to. But in reality, you want them to do it regardless of how it gets done. And I get the heart behind that of, I want my spouse to want to do this right. But a lot of times I'll follow up that question with, well, what do you need? And they're like, I don't know. And I think that's so unfair because I think, well, they say, my spouse should just know what I need. But if you don't even know what you need, then that is kind of setting them up for failure. It's, it's not even expecting them to be a mind reader. It's worse than that. You're expecting them to be a mind reader plus be able to anticipate the needs that you don't even know. And so it's a very unfair spot to put your spouse in. So be careful of that. I understand the idea and the mentality. It would make me feel so loved if they just knew what I needed and then they could provide that for me. But a part of it is you need to be able to be introspective and then be able to communicate that to your partner so that they can then act on that. Now, I will say to a certain degree, if you're asking your spouse to do something for you and they haven't just kind of anticipated or known that, I think it does lose some of the emotional value to it, but not completely. I would say it probably loses about 75% of the emotional value, but there's still 25% benefit you can get from that. But now also them knowing that in the future, they're more likely to be able to just do that without you asking, especially if you provide them with this list. And so then later on, you'll be getting 100% of that value and it won't be diminished at all. So really the purpose of all of this is to have this perspective of being self-sacrificing rather than self-centered. I don't want you guys to want to know your spouse's list of caring days or loving days or their love language for just your benefit. It will absolutely benefit you. But I want to know Tim's love languages so I can love him better and I can serve him in the way that he needs so that he feels loved. Because if I love him well, he's going to love me well, right? And maybe not initially, if you start doing this, will your partner jump on and be like, oh my gosh, she's serving me. I'm going to pour into her. I'm going to love her. If you've had a difficult relationship, it's going to take time and consistency 
to kind of wipe things away. And maybe you're in the deficit and it's going to take time where you're depositing and depositing and depositing until you get to a point where you're no longer in the deficit and you are now in the positive and you have money in your bank. So give it time. Don't just assume once I start doing this, I'm going to do it for a couple of days. And then, well, he's not reciprocating or he's not loving me back. You have to just be consistent with this and love them and serve them regardless of how they love and treat you. And the truth is you have much more power to change and influence your spouse's behavior by changing and altering your own behavior. And then they become reciprocal. As a matter of fact, I think, Ruth, I've had this thought multiple times where I'm like, man, I think you're being a better wife than I am being a husband. And that makes me feel guilty or bad. And so then I step up my game like, man, I need to be doing a better job to serve her and to love her because she's doing such a phenomenal job. Now, one caveat I do want to put onto this is obviously we're talking about people who are relatively mentally healthy. So if you are married to like a narcissistic partner, uh, they have a hole in the bottom of their bucket where it doesn't matter how much you pour into that. It will They will always be at a deficit and then they need some of their own individual work to assist with that. But for the most part, one thing I want to say is that, you know, friends and family, if they're diagnosing you or your spouse with narcissism, go into a professional. Don't don't listen to other people diagnosed. Please don't try to diagnose your own partner. Right. And this is the same when I said you want to serve and love them regardless of how they're treating you. That does not go to abusive situations. But we want to make sure that in healthy relationships overall, that if Tim is short with me, that I'm still loving him. If he does something that kind of irritates me, that I am still loving him and coming from this perspective of I'm going to sacrifice for him, I'm going to love him. And a lot of times that will lead them to want to love you more. So this week we want to challenge you guys to go out and make this list of loving, caring days. Sit down and really think about how can your spouse love you and ask them to write a list. Say, how can I love you and how can I serve you? What are ways, like tangible ways throughout the week that I can just really deposit into your bank for your spouse? So that way they have this cheat sheet and can know how to really love you well. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have a question or topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.